1: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
0: I've been telling you about how we are big fans of Tacova's boots. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Tacova's. But now they also have a gift for our listeners Tacova's will throw in one of their best selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at Tacova's.com. Just use code MEATEATER at checkout. That's MEATEATER at T e c o v a s. T E C O V A S.com. Point your toes west and again. Free trucker hat or ball cap with a minimum purchase of $100 tacovas.com. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast.
2: You can't predict anything.
0: Okay, we're going to be diving way deep into, into wild pigs. Um, and we get tons of questions about wild pigs. And I'm going to give, like, sort of the ends of the, you know, I'm going to give two ends in the middle on sort of the the sorts of questions we get about wild pigs. A question about wild pigs might be where someone would write in and and send a link to an article, and it would be how somewhere wild pigs have turned up and they're causing, they're wreaking ecological havoc, and what does one make of that? That'd be like a type of thing people always want to know about wild pigs. A lot of people might be like, hey, what's up, are wild pigs good to eat? Can you get sick from them or what? That's, another, that's the middle part that people want to hear about wild pigs. And another common question we get about wild pigs would be, if wild pigs are so bad and they're everywhere and they're going to kill everyone and destroy the whole universe and everyone's overrun with wild pigs, how come no one will let me go hunt wild pigs on their property? Like, wouldn't you think that if pigs are that bad, it wouldn't be so bad to have a stranger on your land hunting? But it seems that they're not quite that bad. So that's another question. And who's going to walk us through all of this? Not Giannis. Not me. It will be, in part, the the portions that he's comfortable with would be our guest, <laughs> Parker Hall. Now, Parker Hall, uh, can uh, 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 two things, and you can do it however. Three things you can do, whatever order you want. Um, what do you do at work? Who do you work for? And then I would like to get a little bit into... How did that happen? Okay.
3: What do I do at work? I'm a professional email doer and meeting goer to. (laughs) Oh, really? Get out of here. We're going to go get a (laughs) few. I I already know a whole mess of those. I know a whole mess of those people. I work for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Aphis Wildlife Services. Um, so our mission is to provide federal leadership with human-wildlife conflict. So that can range from any feral swine or wild pigs, I have to call them feral swine. Um, that's what they tell you to call Yeah, them? that's what they call them. That's what they told me. Wild pigs, feral swine, hogs, whatever. Um, it can range from that to protecting uh, airports from collisions with birds to, uh, beaver control in the deep south, flooding roads and bridges to coyote and predator control in the west. So it really depends on where you are in the, in, in the country as, to, as to what that, uh, the different states do. Um, so wildlife services is non-regulatory. That means we don't make any rules, um, which is kind of a, a good, good position to be in. So anywhere we are, we're there by, by invitation. We're oftentimes invited to help whatever land management agency be it a state agency, um, another federal agency on invasive species and feral swine is one that that uh, that we deal with all over the country. So, 2014 there was a, an initiative, an APHIS initiative that provided some funding. Set up a a, na- a national program. Said, "All right, there's enough damage being going on with feral swine. We're getting un- we're getting enough people that are having some trouble with them. Be it the ag industry, be at landowners, be at the uh, natural resources people. That we need to do something about it. So that's kind of how uh, this program got got set up. So um, now that's that's two. Right? What's the third one? How I got here?
0: How you got here just as a person to be here, but I'm already, can we, can we put that on hold for a minute? Sure. Okay, because I already got a problem. All right. It, okay, wild pigs were
3: introduced here in the 1500s. By the Spanish. Right. So they took off across the ocean, needed something to eat, right? Okay. Guys, we're going out. Uh, We don't know where we're going. Across the ocean, it's far. We better bring something to eat. So they float, 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 float. They hit some land. They go, oh, man, that was good. We're still alive. Hey, we're we're still going. We don't know where we are. Let's put some pigs on because when we come back, we're going to be hungry again. And so those repetitive introductions from those explorers all through the south and the islands going all the way down through – you know down to the South America and the Lesser Antilles and the Caribbean all through there you know those repetitive introductions finally finally took hold native americans figured out that hey this is better than eating some of the stuff we're eating right now so they fostered that and and those those pigs grew and and they kept them around and they established populations so since the 1500s they've been all up and down so what happened
0: during those hundreds of years when it didn't like there was a shift, right? Because we had hundreds of years it of it just being that there's some that there's wild pigs around, there's wild pigs around. Then all of a sudden, in my lifetime, yeah, in mine, my- it's like holy shit. Yeah. Wild pigs. Yeah. Like like what what was that? So
3: um <sighs> Is it perception or is it reality? It- it's reality. So if you look at a, a, a natural expansion of any population, be it be it wild pigs or, or anything, it's kind of like a balloon blowing up, right? You blow in the balloon, it gets bigger, 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 and, and the population spreads. Well, that's not been the case with feral pigs. I mean, you, you guys are from Michigan, right? There's feral pigs in Michigan. They didn't get there from Florida uh, by chance. They got there in the back of a pickup truck. Yeah. Um, so it, became, you know, uh, I grew up in Georgia hunting hogs. It was fun. It's a, it's a cultural thing in the Deep South. A lot of people do it. And, uh, you know, but it's been maintained, particularly in the Deep South, uh, Texas, did California. Your father, did your father hunt wild oh, pigs? Oh, yeah. My whole family, and they still do. Okay. Yeah. Um, of course they do. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I, I think it got... Um, Cool or whatever, for lack of a better term, cool to uh, hunt pigs um, by television shows. It got put on TV, and people think that killing a 200-pound hog is awesome. There are very few laws regulating hogs. Um, You know, it differs by state, but they're all they're all a little bit confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's easy to catch pigs. Uh, as one of my good friends says, it's it takes very very little energy to put pigs in the back of a truck and move them, but it takes tremendous energy to get them back from the wild and put them back into that pickup truck. Yeah. And that's a fact. So, um,
0: I think there's, a, there's, a, there's probably a lot of ways for people to begin to understand that even if you're not familiar with wild pigs it would be just the bu- you know what we often call bucket biology with fisheries where you can have, you can trace back to sort of like a single introductory effort of a fish species into some lake and river system, and then pretty soon it becomes literally impossible to undo, like literally impossible to undo the damage. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So with the pigs, I remember, well, you know, but but you're assigned to a specific, like, does your expertise extend
3: beyond where you're, Oh sure, yeah we we do we do a, a a lot of different different things in in the state in the two states. Because
0: um, what I wanted to ask about is I remember in Michigan it wasn't that long ago. Michigan was putting up some trying to create some legislation around. Uh, obviously, you can't block people from transporting pigs because it's all the same species, right? Sus right. Correct. is the same thing you buy in a grocery store is it's all the same species but sorry, they were sorry. trying to put some language around what types of pigs could be moved into the state right can you explain that a little bit when you talk about that people are moving pigs? Right,
3: they're not moving barnyard varieties of pigs, or are they? Well, they're doing they're doing all 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 of the above. Um, like you mentioned, it's all the same species. They can all interbreed. So um, Spanish pigs, like we talked about before, are the ones that were inter- introduced in the 1500s in the South. Um, those have there's been introductions from the Eurasian wild wild boar, the big hairy woolly ones that everybody thinks about, you know, that, that came over from Europe and those were introduced into uh, New Hampshire, Vermont area and, and some in, in California, moved around. Um, people liked them for sport.
0: I know the New Hampshire, Vermont ones were for brought in for hunting purposes. Yeah, right, right. But it's just hard to con- hard to contain them.
3: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's hard to contain them. And, you know, there's there's been sales. Hey, you have some of those? You know, a guy comes in and goes, well, what's the cost, you know? Sell me some of those. Well, nobody cares. He loads them up. Here's hundred bucks or whatever it is, and 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 moves them to uh, Idaho and turns them loose. You know, they're they're incredibly hardy. They're incredibly fecund. You know, 115 days or so, um, they have a litter. Uh, go go a few weeks, get pregnant again. You know, they can have a couple litters a year. So um, it, they're super hardy. You know, they're 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 the ultimate invasive species. Compare
0: that to a deer who puts off. Between, you know, yeah. Yeah one and two a yeah, year. Yeah, one or two, yeah. Now I wanna I want to get back into the into the, the, the long term story, but first I wanna ask if this is true. People like to say they like to put this timeline around if you take a domestic like a domesticated domestic variety pig and you turn it out, that the minute you turn it out, all of a sudden it grows
3: big, gigantic tusks and gets a woolly coat. Yeah, no. That that's not it, it depends on the species oh not the species but the uh i don't know if it's a subspecies or whatever you know a pink pig that's that's grown for in a in a pig parlor is a little different than you know some of these heritage pigs or whatever so there's a bunch of different flavors if you will but um if turned loose over time they do revert back pretty quick it's not overnight Yeah. You know, we a, a lot of times when when hogs get loose, um, we'll get reports. There's some there's some feral swine over there, and they get hungry and go back to the feed bucket in two days. Okay. Uh, it, it, it it all of those in between. You know, sometimes they go off, and if they have a litter, then then those pigs are generally pretty wary. Um, they're dealing with predators. So they're dealing fir- with those that first wild born generation. Yeah, that's right. Now you take a, a a feral hog and put him in the pen. And it doesn't take long for them to tame right down.
0: Oh, is that right? Yeah,
3: I mean, you know, in a couple of weeks you start shaking the food bucket. You know, it starts approaching a little bit, and over time they'll tame right down as well. So you can you can re-domesticate them. You can, yeah. All right, now
0: I'm ready to go back and do what we were going to do a minute ago. Is yeah. uh, and you kind of alluded to it now. So
3: you grew up hunting pigs. I did. Yeah, I grew up hunting and fishing. My dad was a USDA, APHIS Wildlife Services employee for his career. Too. Oh, is that right? So, yeah,
0: so. Oh, so you grew up, I, that's
3: how I was kind of wondering. So you grew up kind of knowing that this is a thing a person could do. Yeah, of course, yeah. I, I did. Um, but, but I didn't have the aspirations to be a, a state director. I remember thinking as I was going through school, I graduated from the University of Georgia, barely. Um, I, I think I had a stellar two-point. Two or three studying what? Uh, mostly hog hunting at night and crappie fishing. <laughs> but I did get a I did get a degree in in uh, in wildlife. So um, I remember thinking if I can ever make about thirty five or forty thousand dollars a year trapping beavers, I will have reached the pinnacle. Uh-huh. So I started off as a beaver trapper in in Alabama, and I went through. Um several years of that and I didn't just doing private nuisance control. No, I was working as a as a as a specialist for USDA. Okay. Yeah. So it was in- entry level. And and that went on for several years and I uh got into doing some invasive species work when I was I was down in the US Virgin Islands doing work down there. Met my wife down there and how were you catching the beavers? And and when, when I was now doing that, were you doing like Connor Bear, like, snare, foothold. So the whole gamut. The whole thing. Yeah. All right yeah i know i know Not those hancock live chats you guys were you guys were getting after them for real yeah that's yeah, yeah that's dudes from michigan use those yeah <laughs>
4: <laughs> never touched <laughs> one <laughs>
3: so yeah did some uh work in the in in the islands and then um uh went to florida did what his, kind of work in the islands uh, offshore eradication kind of stuff. You know, we did uh, rat eradications, uh, goat eradications to protect uh, threatening endangered and species. On small islands? On small offshore islands. It's really neat, actually, when you remove um, a species like a rat or a goat, what the island does. You know, the smaller islands, man, they, they bloom like a flower. You know, really? right right back, you know, when you remove those invasives. So. Did you
0: ever use the Judas strategy?
3: Yes, and I still do. Can you explain that? Yeah, so if you remember your 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 Bible stories, Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus and and so that's where the term Judas animal comes from. So you take that animal capture, so and and Pharaoh swine will take one and put a radio transmitter on on its neck or in its ear, um, capture it. Turn it back loose, and it'll run back to the other, you know, the sounders, which call a group of hogs. It'll go back to a sounder or, um, you know, other other pigs, and, and it'll lead you to those. So it's real effective. It's really really effective, particularly in low densities. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like we, where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It does good. Yeah. We use it a lot.
0: So you you studied up on wildlife, went into doing beaver work, and then your career kind of took off. It did. It did, and then one day, um, someone springs on you
3: that your jurisdiction is going to be. This the, so this is how I, I was a state. No, I was a district supervisor in in South Florida and doing invasive species. I I really enjoy. You work on it. the Burmese python. Yeah, we did work on the Burmese python a little bit. Yeah, yeah you hit all the big news story animals. Yeah, they're um, yeah they're they're difficult. That's a difficult problem. The snakes is it yeah do you think that they'll that there will ever be a solution or is it just too hard to predict you know uh they sent a man to the moon so i i don't know but <laughs> they you know the thing about the the invasive reptiles is, is let's face it they're not going to go past the freeze line for the most part so you know they're they're confined to those habitats and those areas that that are akin to to how they evolved gotcha. you, you know the yeah,
0: so. so we won't someday be talking about Burmese pythons in Michigan like we're talking about. I don't think so. I don't now. think
3: so until wintertime. I've been to Michigan in the wintertime and pythons won't do too well. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: So South Florida and what other? What, and you probably worked on pigs in South Florida.
3: I did. We, we did a lot of uh, pig work so in, in Florida. On did iguanas? Yeah, sure did. In Florida, we did some more rat eradications, actually, to protect nesting uh, shorebirds. Predator control on beaches for for sea turtles was was a big one. Um, What's something that gets after sea turtle eggs? Man, everything likes an egg, right? Uh, Raccoons are bad. Feral swine are are terrible on them. There's Uh, places where feral swine are out on the beach. Saltwater Beach. There are guys who their job is to stay on the beach all night long to make sure feral swine don't come out there and dig up sea turtle nests. And they're seeing some. Oh, man, they're doing, they're doing effective control, and they're saving thousands and thousands and thousands of sea turtles. You I know mean,
0: what? one nest is wrecked by a hog. We've know? been on beaches down in, in South America. We've been on beaches where all the turtle eggs have been dug up by jaguars.
3: Yeah. Everything likes a turtle egg. Yeah. Ghost crabs, raccoons, armadillos, possums, foxes.
0: So you you'll select a you guys would select a a beach and just be
3: like hands off. No, now me- now remember we're um, we're non-regulatory, so we're th- there by the invitation of whatever right. entity is responsible so for that beach making that call. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Whatever entity has jurisdiction over that beach asks us to do that work. I understand.
0: Yeah. So it's always coming from it's a, it's a it's a local ask, and you guys provide the expertise to to execute what they're hoping to correct accomplish. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So from South
3: Florida, then what happens to you? So from South Florida, um, a position came open as a state director, and New Hampshire and Vermont. Now, like I said, I grew up in Georgia. I'd never been north of Tennessee hardly. Um, I was in South Florida, and that position came open, and I talked to my wife about it. I said, hey, there's an opportunity, you know. Uh, so, so we said, yeah, that, that'll be fine. We'll so, what state was she from. She's from Missouri, and I'll get to that in a minute. You can deduce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, went up to, um, uh, got selected for that position and had uh, a wonderful experience in New Hampshire, Vermont, um, working but, on all, all sorts of different critters. Like what up there? Uh, a, a lot of uh, black bear Stuff was going up, going oh, n- up there. Oh, n- not natives right? A right, lot of lot of natives there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did some moose work. You know, it's it was a. Uh, for, for a Georgia boy, it was a really neat experience. And then the... Um, and the black bears are get in
0: trouble with orchards and... No, egg, yeah, the whole thing. Honey production. Yeah,
3: right. Down in the, you know, it's a it's a big tourist economy in the summertime. It's gorgeous in New Hampshire and Vermont. And, the, you know, the black bears down there following tourists around eating donuts and, you know, the whole so thing. So you guys do a lot of relocations? There, yeah, I'm we do. Yeah, a lot of relocations there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: What else? Did you get involved with any fish anywhere?
3: No. No, not a fish guy. There's, there's Other people, than I like doing Are there fish. wildlife services people <laughs> who mess with fish? There are wildlife services people that, um, yes, that do invasive uh, fish work. I think there's one state uh, out west that does that. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but uh, as a general rule, we don't do That's That's left to the fisheries biologists. Fish are a whole different
2: okay. thing,
3: you know, under the water, and those guys can do math good. Yeah, yeah. the
5: fisheries guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the common moose conflict
3: The common moose conflict was, uh, the moose walking through where they, you know, they make the maple syrup and those guys have great big taps, right? When these Mm -hmm. tubes coming way down to their tap house, sometimes they'd have thousands of these tubes coming on and the moose just walk right through it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, and they're like, you know, it's the middle, of middle of saps running and those guys are freaking out, man, all their taps just got yanked off, so, um, you know it, it, it was interesting particularly for me it doesn't know anything about moose you know so it was an educational experience yeah right? i can imagine yeah it was a good time so then from there from there uh the Missouri state director Missouri Iowa state director position um came available and my wife said guess what big boy <laughs> i like the royals so yeah we i put in for that position and um you know, I think it was a good move for me, and as much that uh, I, I was not from the Northeast, but it was a great experience. And but to get to a, a um, something I was a little bit more familiar with, was... Yeah. different yeah.
0: but a little more familiar. Sure, sure. And so you, as a state, co- what, a state coordinator, or state director, state director, state director, everything again here, everything falls under your purview, so to speak, but you guys are particularly focused or paying a lot of attention on wild pigs or is that just a small part of the it's a
3: it's it's more than a small part in Missouri so we have what's called the uh, Missouri feral swine partnership and that is 11 different land management agencies who are committed to um suppressing or eliminating feral swine from from the state of Missouri. So it's it's a it's a pretty good chunk of our uh of our program. Um we do uh Iowa does a, a lot of uh, work at um uh dairy farms for starlings in, invasive like like those uh Starlings, pigeons, sparrows, those things, you know, the milk and, you know, the whole, the whole deal. Airport stuff. If a deer runs out on, on the airport and, you know, at three in the morning and a plane's trying to land, you know, we have, we have people there to help assist remove that, you know. Um, a lot of airport work in, in Missouri, um. avian influenza, so a disease component um, of our program sampling for um, different diseases, which goes hand-in-hand hand with the feral swine stuff, okay. um, sampling there. So a little bit of everything. Now, um, the Missouri Department of Conservation um, has, has pretty much driven this, this program. So we're doing feral swine work by you know their invitation and their direction.
0: Now, you mentioned suppression or eradication. Doesn't that cause a little mission
3: confusion? Can't you just pick one? Yeah. Well, the, we use the word elimination. Oh, yeah, there you go. yeah. So there's
0: no mission confusion.
3: No, there's no mission confusion.
0: Yeah. Lay the, um, lay the wild pig situation. Like, like, give me a little bit of history on the wild pig situation here in Missouri. Yeah, because it's different than Florida, right? Because in Florida, they've sure, been, they've, sure, been sure, sure. For, they've been underground for centuries. Right,
5: right. Is it too early? Timing might be off, but I'd like to definitely know at some point if it's legal to hunt pigs in this state in Iowa. Sure,
0: timing's off, but you can ask. Mm. Should <laughs> <Did it laughs> have waited. So you weren't detecting? You weren't detecting the flow I was going. It's not been very clearly <laughs> defined, has it? It was good. My flow. Yeah. It's a little it's
3: a little herky jerky. I don't see why we can't get into that right now. It's not gonna hurt
0: anyone. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. So it's yeah, it's completely legal to to hunt feral swine in, in Missouri. Where it is illegal to hunt feral swine is on uh Missouri Department of Conservation lands. It's it's illegal on uh, Fort Leonard Wood. It's illegal on Army Corps of Engineers um, land, but on private land, um, right now in the Mark Twain National Forest, it's legal to hunt feral swine.
0: What is the the obvious question comes up?
3: Uh, why? If you want to get rid of them, yeah. So um, let's go back to the first part of of when we started like, talking. Like, what's the lay of the land it, it, here? In in Georgia, when I grew up, there's no season there's no limit there's really no restriction on how you can hunt them with what you can use you can use guns bows bazookas wh- whatever and has been that way and they only grow so hunting does not work to eliminate we use hunting as a as a tool to manage our, our native species, um, not eliminate. Or, or that's that's, we have, that's why we have um, limits, and particularly uh, if you can or can't shoot female of in, of any animal, because that that you know the result of removal of those is is population control, and so that's something that. Um, uh, yeah. Missouri Department of Conservation said, "Look, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. I mean, there's guys all over the South that's chased them for millennia, and it's the stronghold of, of feral swine. Yeah. They're there.
0: Like know? recreational hunting, because of the because of like the fecundity and all these other factors. Sure. Recreational hunting, even when it's unrestricted, isn't doesn't do it
3: right." Right, so you know, a, a recreational hunter goes out, and he has a good time, and and he he harvests a, a hog, and he comes back, and they and they clean it up, and they have a meal, but it did absolutely nothing for the population. You know, um, it, it, it's fun, it's great, it's good recreation, but it's an exotic invasive species that that should be removed. It's, they're competing with our natives. Okay, yeah.
0: So the, the thinking, so extend that out and in, in uh explain the thinking on on restricting
3: hunting well uh, it, uh, I, I don't know that it's a i mean it, it doesn't work it's been proven that it, hunting does not eliminate a, a, a species uh, of of any species um uh, recreational sport hunting does not um so you know i I don't know that
6: um, oh yeah, go ahead, man Brandon butler wants Brandon Butler wants to bought in yeah, <laughs> another big issue is creating the demand, so if there's a demand for feral hogs, then there's going to be a desired supply, and by eliminating the opportunity to hunt them, you're hopefully eliminating that incentive right so if if the Department of conservation you know even though they're they're setting these traps up, that's another problem they're setting up these traps putting a lot of man hours into it. Parker and his team's doing the same thing. They they work really hard to to train these sounders to come to these traps so they can catch a mass of these pigs at one time. People will find those traps, and they'll set up on them like hunting spots. And when the sounder comes in, they'll shoot one or maybe two, and then they scatter the rest. And they'll run way off, and they'll, they'll set up new ranges. And you, blow, so, and you blow the plan. So you blow the whole plan. You waste all that money that's been spent not only on the staff that's out working, but on the the corn, they're souring, and all the other bait, the materials it takes to make the traps. But as you said, hog hunting's fun, and a lot of people down in this part of the country—I mean, they have dogs. They're, you know, they're really into it, so they're expecting there to be a supply of hogs on the landscape. Well, I'll throw this
0: in from—I mean, this is something, like this aspect of it is something I'm familiar with, and, and Giannis and I uh, have had discussions with an individual who was a a hog trapper and at a time in the past uh, had even gone so far as to sell wild hogs to people who he later learned were using the wild hogs to establish populations of wild hogs in areas that did not have them in order to be able to hunt for them.
6: That's going on down here. There's, there's, it goes on all over the country. Yeah, there's that's no. That's how they are spreading. <clears throat> is, is anybody ever getting prosecuted for this? Yeah, there's a case going on in the county north of us right now okay. where somebody is, is a known uh, violator who. Propagator? Who, yeah, who actually raises these hogs and then releases them, trailers them in from other states, keeps them in a pen. When people are ready to go hunting, those people will pay this guy. He'll release those hogs and they'll go chase them down. On open lands, not penned lands on open lands yeah so he'll keep them in a pen until he has clients once he has clients willing to pay they'll release those hounds or they'll release those hogs and they'll release the hounds the hounds will chase them down the one dog goes out and finds them the rest of the dogs come in and hold them that person goes in and likely stabs the hog or or may shoot it but a lot of them are killing them with big bowie knives and yeah yeah we chasing them down that way so they're they're not only creating a a demand for the recreation of it, but there's a small group of people that are creating a, an industry around it. And you're talking about doing so in a very economically depressed part of the country. So when these guys can get cash on hand for letting you go out and kill some hogs, you know, it, <laughs> why it's, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's hard to convince them that that's not a, a good deal. Do you but,
0: mind? Lay, do you mind real quick laying out, uh,
6: Brandon? Do you mind real quick laying out your affiliations? Yeah, so I'm the executive director of the Conservation Federation of Missouri. We work with hunting, angling, uh, all conservation wildlife groups across the state. I've uh, known Parker for a few years. There was a feral hog symposium where state wildlife leaders came from kind of all over the Midwest. And uh, we did a a tour of a state park, and then we went on some private property. And that was the first time I was ever really exposed to uh, the real destruction that these hogs do to to ag lands and why there's so much money being spent to eradicate them because so much money is being – lost by farmers down here as their pastures are destroyed and crop fields can be decimated it was it was really eye-opening to me and i've kind of been studying it with parker ever since now parker when you
0: look at uh the the like the voices that most want to so i i kind of understand the voices that are interested in having pigs is like isolated groups of people who want to have a and they want to have a hunting up some hunting opportunity what are the voices of the people here um, that sort of have the best argument
3: against the pigs being here? Well, I understand those people too because, like I said, I grew up doing it, and it's fun. And, you know, right or wrong, they've they've uh, incentivized it. Incentivized? That the, that the, 2.2. Incentivized? 2.2? Chase or Chase 2.2. Lounge earlier. right? So, um... So, it, I, I understand that, and but uh, we're land managers, right? Or or we're, we're stewards of the land. It's an exotic invasive species. It's no different than bush honeysuckle. Um, it shouldn't be here. It competes with our natives. Um, and and it, I think it's it's difficult for for us wildlife people to go. Oh, it's competing with our natives, and there's still deer and turkeys around. And, yeah, it, it, you know and. Uh, That's the thing
0: I think people have a hard time with because they'll do. they look and be like, okay,
3: but Texas is known for its whitetail hunting. Texas has wild pigs. That's right. Texas has the most wild pigs. Um, But, you know, you look at the things that uh, deer and turkey aren't the only things on the landscape. Um, Agricultural damage, um, threatening endangered species, water quality. You know, all of these things um, are being caused from an exotic invasive species that shouldn't be here. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, we're wildlife biologists. In, in, some, in some instances, you just want to be like, geez, that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, we're supposed to protect our, our native species. And it's not it's just not fl- uh, fauna. It's flora as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know in, in Hawaii, they talk
0: about, uh, you know, an unknown quantity, but perhaps dozens of species of wildlife were lost with the introduction of pigs and rats. Yeah. Onto the Hawaiian Islands, sure, because they had a whole suite of you know because of a lack of certain types of
3: predation, they had whole suites of ground <clears throat> nesting birds, right, that vanished. Yeah, gone. You look at the disease issues too it, with, with the domestic um, uh, 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 industry we have here. You know the the, the potential for a, a disease to get in the domestic industry could be catastrophic to the state. Um, you know, we're one state south of of the biggest pork producing state in, in the country, which is Iowa. Okay. Um, so you know, so there's <clears> a fear <throat> there that wild pigs would would. Sure, they have they have those diseases. They carry those diseases that the um, ag industry has d- done such a wonderful job of getting rid of, and it's taken them a long time. and And now they're out. You know, they've they've got those uh, domestic populations, you know, for lack of a better word, clean and um, you, you know reintroducing some of those diseases could be uh, a real setback financially as, as yeah. you know for for consumers as well as producers
0: what's funny there and i don't i don't i don't expect you to comment on this unless you want to but what's funny there is to have this idea of, of you know i know you call it feral swine but like common vernacular where you have this idea of a wild pig introducing disease to a domestic counterpart is sort of the opposite of the fear around domestic deer introducing disease yeah. to their wild counterpart yeah yeah but yeah it it's is off, it's off that's off topic yeah
5: well we've kind of breezed over like the problems you know, that the pigs do and how and why, but can we just get into that a little bit more? Like you talk, like you're like water water quality, but what exactly do they do to diminish water quality? And what are they doing to, you know, kill all these uh, crops for all these farmers? Exactly.
6: Well, one of the creeks that we were hunting around down here, um, it looked better this year. Steve and I walked past it. But last year, this real lush little spring creek, And the spring was really pumping yesterday when we were down there. It was just absolutely decimated with rooting. I mean, you go down there and you're expecting to be in this real serene, natural valley. And it looked like a monster truck had been ripping up and down this spring creek. Now, this is way back in a wilderness. So very few people are laying their eyes on that. But if that was your private property, that would be infuriating to you. So you would call the government or whoever your representative is and say something has to be done about this invasive species that's destroying, you know, my landscape. That would be. They're just, in there feeding and just rooting it all up and it just turns into a mud. And they're, they're just wallowing and rooting. And, and now all that, that mud and sediment is running in to that stream, which runs into a larger stream, which runs into a river. So it, it's sending all that, that sediment down river. Um, the crop damage is just hard to explain. It's unbelievable. It Looks like somebody went in with a brush hog.
3: Sure, yeah, yeah. They, they can they can do a lot of damage in in a very short amount of time, and that's something that is more common maybe in 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 the South than it is in Missouri. Uh, Missouri is more uh there more in the Ozarks. We do have some damage, um, and the guys that have it w- wouldn't don't take it lightly. But you know, we have uh. State and federal listed species that are stored Heinz emerald dragonfly they they have a um, they lay their larvae in in a, a specialized little uh, i forget the name of it uh, i don 't know it 's an eco term you know but the hogs go through and and root up and and eat the larvae and and they don't reproduce uh, meads milkweed is is another um species of concern listed species that uh, hogs go through and trample and 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 eat and and destroy and, and they don't come back so you know, you, you look at, it's, it's not just, uh, we still have deer and we still have turkeys. And, you know, they ate some of my corn, but we're talking about, you know, threatened and endangered species. It's, you know, right. there's only very few of these left in the world. They're being consumed or destroyed by an exotic invasive that shouldn't be here. You know, I don't know if the, you, you you know, if a Heinz, emerald dragonfly were flying around this room. I don't know if I could identify it. But I know that, you know, it's, an, it's a, a species that once they're gone, they're gone. Um, and, and that's being and that's uh, happening because of because of these feral swans and uh, that's an example it uses you know whether it's sea turtles or, or uh, shorebirds or, or, or whatever you know we, we have an exotic doing damage and removing uh, federally and state listed listed species. So how many how many feral pigs
0: well let let's take it this way. How far back a time would you need to go to when there were probably
3: no feral pigs in, in this state? In, in Missouri? So um, I wasn't here then, but they're relatively new. You know, if you went back 15 years... I don't know that you could find too many people. You guys might know this better than me, but but you couldn't find too many people that knew where where a, a, a feral hog was. You go back twenty years; they're very very rare. You know, they, they were brought in, and just like I said, they're incredibly fecund. And you guys see the terrain we're in, man. You turn some pigs back here; they go undetected for forever.
0: Gotcha. So this is a This is like a, a fairly new issue here. Oh,
3: absolutely. And how many? Is there an estimate on how many there are? No. We're doing some work on on, on that now, but there is not an estimate. Mm-mm. Well, how about you put it this way? How many of you guys caught and killed? So the last year, um, we caught and killed just over 6,500. In this state? In the state. Yeah, just in Missouri. Well, now, yeah. other states take, uh, you know numbers many 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 more than that texas oklahoma you know those guys um they take a lot a lot of pigs multiple thousands of hogs
0: and in that time when you've taken them have you guys gotten a sense of where exactly they're coming from
3: well we know we know where they are um and and as much as it's, it's a relatively new you say 15 years it's a relatively new problem uh the Missouri Department of Conservation has really rolled up its sleeves and got to work and asked their biologists and their people in the field and done a lot of work and we know or we feel like we have a pretty good handle on on where those uh, populations are. And it's, it, it looks like a it's, it's not a blob, of course, like natural It looks like a zebra or a checkerboard or, or, or it's, it's, it's patchwork. Um, and so Across the entire state. Across the entire state, mostly in the southern half and mostly in the Ozarks and mostly on public land. Really? Yeah, of course. Why do you think that is? I have no idea why. Because people can hunt it. Really? And so if you were to turn, if you had a truckload of pigs and your neighbor is a guy you don't get along with, you know, he's not going to let you hunt those pigs in the back of your truck on his place. You're going to turn them loose on his place. Yeah. Of course not. You're going to go where. I say, yeah, I mean, no. Yeah. Right. You're going to go where you can hunt them. So if you lay, if you lay the map of where feral swine um, are in Missouri over public ground, it almost marries up perfectly.
6: No kidding. Yeah. I thought it was real interesting when I was showing Parker uh, yesterday pictures of the, the feral hogs I got on my property. He's like, well, that's a Springfield hog. And I mean, they, they've got it drilled <laughs> yeah, down. Well, your to property one, is like up against a large chunk of public property. One of the... the one of the largest contiguous pieces of public property in Missouri. Yeah. So they're definitely getting released back in there, but he's able to tell you like distinctly where this hog has been shipped in from and where this hog has been. Well, shipped Well, I, mean,
3: I got a. I know they look a little different to in different parts of the state, and and so yeah, I, I don't know that I would go as far as to know I know exactly where they're from, but yeah, but they they are they differ um, depending on where you grab them from from. You know, different parts of the state. In different parts of the country, they look uh, completely different. So, it, you know, it's... Uh, so
0: So the, the, they're not homogenized. meaning mean, uh, there's like
3: different ones that have different backgrounds. So sure. People got them from different places sure. and cut them loose. Sure. And, and something that um, people do a lot of times is they introduce domestics into those uh, wild or feral populations to increase the size, body size. Okay. Um, you know, so for, that's for hunting ho- purposes. how Hogzilla
0: came around. Well, some of those, I remember one of those giant pigs that turns up like a Hogzilla. I don't know if like it was like not the original one, but one of these giant pigs that turns up where a guy supposedly killed some stomp or wild pig. A few days later, a guy comes out with photographs of this thing standing in the back of the truck because he sold it to the guy.
3: Yeah, of course, yeah. He's
0: hey, like, that's not a wild pig. That's old Stella.
3: Yeah. And provides photo documentation on it you get if you get 250 300 pounds that's a serious wild hog that's a big one you know they, they're For wild they're, born right wild hog. right yeah i mean they're they're not eating they're not eating corn from from the bucket you know they're they're eating acorns and and whatever else they can get down in in out in the woods so you know 250 300 pounds is a great big one now they get bigger but you know that's that's a great big adult so I want to get into talking about the process of um,
0: how it all works. Meaning you identify a, here, here's a new blip on the map. Okay. You right. identify a population of these things. Right. How does it come to your attention? Okay. How do you verify the presence and then, what are the steps that take as as you sort of walk through? Like, wow,
3: now we got a new gang of pigs we got to deal with. All right, that's kind of a that's a that's kind of a two part question. Number one, um, how do we deal with the the new populations? What do we do? So, um, like I said, the Missouri Department of Conservation, uh, Mark Twain National Forest, Army Corps Engineers. We have a group of eleven land management agencies that are all out on this on these public public lands now public lands and private lands we differentiate we do not go on anybody's land that does not invite us so people so farmers or people who are, who have feral swine or wild hogs they want help they give us a shout right so uh, so you can't go even
0: you can't go on someone's land the same way you'd be able to go onto their land for you know, emergency purposes or anything like? No
3: way, no way. Really? No, no. We can't trespass. We have a we have a form that we have to get them to sign that lets us uh, be on their property. Yeah, I mean that, that that's good.
0: Obviously, it's not surprising me. By I me, mean, I know that there are certain things like if you're cooking up some meth on your land, for instance,
3: yeah. people can go on there and get that. Wildlife Services can't because yeah. we're non-regulatory. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, um, so. We so have that's got to at
0: times. Ha- not that, I'm not. I know that you don't set the policy, but that that at times has to be really
3: problematic, and it, it, it always will be. And so if you're trying to do a, an eradication, there, there's three things that have to happen, right? You have to have a a, a control that works, right? You're you have to have something that gets rid of whatever you're trying to get rid of. If you're doing rats, you have to have a toxicant. That kills them, right? And it has to be effective. Number two, every individual has to be exposed to said control measure, right? And number three, you have to have 100%. uh, Oh, that was number two. Number two, everybody's got to get exposed, which is the problem. And and number three, you can't have any immigration in from from outside sources. So if we get rid of all the, all the pigs in southern Missouri and somebody brings them back in, well, by God, we start over. So yeah. those those three things have That's to happen. That's why it seems
0: like eradication can happen on small islands, right? Successfully, that, right? But it doesn't happen on
3: large land masses. It. It, it happens on large land masses when everybody gets united and, and recognizes these are bad. But you were right, and it's a it's a fact. It's going to be very problematic in, in the future.
6: Yeah, there's a fight going on right now legislatively over feral hogs. You mm-hmm. actually have legislators down in this part of the state in support of feral hog hunting uh, very upset with the Department of Conservation for trying to do the right thing and eliminate uh, not only the desire to hunt them, but the entire population. So it's a it's a political battle. So there's an actual political conversation about whether or not you want wild pigs or not? The only reason you can hunt wild pigs on uh, the Mark Twain National Forest right now is because a certain politician has threatened, you know, retribution if it were to be stopped.
0: Gotcha. All right. So back to how does a problem become, like how does a new population become identified?
3: And then what steps are taken to to just to go address the issue? All right. So we have a strategic elimination plan within Missouri, within our patchwork. We know where they are. We know the terrain, the habitat, the accessibility. um, And then we put those resources in that area Elimination Area Zone 1 is our lowest population. Um, We have the most uh, accessibility to it. The terrain is most conducive for elimination. And we're being very, very successful. Um, We are repetitively successful on, uh, if you think about a fire and a little... Ember goes out in your yard and starts that. Those are popping up, and that's what you're talking about. When those pop up, we drop what we're doing, and we make sure those populations do not become established. So we have, like I said, 11 partner agencies, and all their people are out there all the time on all these public lands. And when new sign or sightings happen, it gets to us pretty quick. Um, and we've been very successful at, at at suppressing those those new populations. Like you'll look
0: and there's a new blip on the map that takes priority over some established population that you've been struggling it against. It does, yeah. And and what will you guys do? Like how do you go in and even
3: begin? Well, it's, I mean, it's a it's – once we get land access, it's, it's no different than – than any other, the control worker do. We set up cameras, look at the sign, put out bait, get them on bait, and trap them and remove them as quick as we can. So you use trail cameras to try to verify the presence. Yeah, we use trail cameras, and you know, the thing about pigs is you, you kind of know when they're there. You know, they really? make such a mess, and you know, they're rooting and, and tracks and rubbing on trees. It's it's not hard to to figure out when they're there. And you know,
0: something but, we use the trail ever, cameras for. Do you ever identify a population of like one? oh yeah all all the time really oh yeah yeah and you can come in you, someone could be like hey i saw a wild pig and you can go in and usually you're like a good enough tracker or whatever that someone could go in there and be like yeah it's true There's
3: no one i'm not that good there it's a pig you dump out corn and they come to it that's how you verify them. sure yeah or that's a, a way to do it
1: right yeah, yeah. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey, you ever
0: needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Errands. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. And you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. Here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65 inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55 inch or upgrade to an 86 inch. You can do that too, return it, then take home something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit errands.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of house plants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one or two days. Along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. I've been shopping around on fast-growing trees, and I am fixing to get me a couple of spruce trees for my yard. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. Our listeners get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using code MEATEATER at checkout. Visit FastGrowingTrees.com and use code MEATEATER at checkout for an additional 15% off. FastGrowingTrees.com, code meat eater. Offer is valid for a limited time. Minimum purchase may be required. Terms and conditions apply.
3: Yeah. And then what are the ways in which you guys catch them and kill them? Um, we do mostly... Probably 90% of our take is, is trapping, uh, a smaller percent is night shooting, and then another uh, percent is aerial gunning. So talk about the night shooting. How's that work? Um, night shooting is used in, in specific situations. Um, a lot of times when we have single uh, boars, uh, we don't spend a lot of time trapping bores. Uh, we target females because that's our population control, the sounders, the big groups. Um, so we're targeting them. If we have some some boars that are hanging around, sometimes we'll do that. If we're having crop damage. Um, so if you have a field of corn, right, if you have 100 acres of corn, it's hard to go pour, pour out a cor- uh, bucket of corn. And get them to come in your trap. Yeah. Uh, and every night, you know that corn's in the dough stage, and the hogs are wrecking it. You know, and and the landowner, the the farmer's just beside himself, pulling his hair out. We use a lot of night shooting then to keep them, um, keep them out of the out of the corn. Um, when we get down to the last few animals, that is generally how we remove them through night shooting.
6: So I was able to go out on one of these night shooting excursions with some of Parker's people. And uh not to diminish the noble work, but man, that was pretty fun. Like we <laughs> actually were in the bed of a pickup truck and I was the guy with a thermal imaging scope and we're cruising the cornfields on the outside of Fort Leonard Wood Army base and you're just on farms that you have permission to be on, driving their farms in the winter using thermal imaging to locate these hogs and the drivers driving we're sitting in the back scoping when you see them, you tap on the top of the truck they stop the shooter gets out pow 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 just like, starts taking them out how many might them you out. run into one field had 30 in it, probably. That was the biggest one we saw. And then and, once and in this a while. And
0: working to it, assist a farmer who's trying to protect a crop. Yeah,
6: yeah. And
3: as a general rule, we, on those big groups, we really try not to night shoot. And we try not to shoot where we're trapping because it really messes up our whole system, makes it much more difficult to trap. These situations are, like we said, when a farmer's just beside himself in a, and you know he's just getting so much damage that that's really one of our only options. Is, is to do night night work like that. okay so talk about trapping So um, sort of like the how of it, right right So like I said, there's a process um, and it, it varies how successful we are by by time of year, by location. Um, a lot of variables. It can be uh, very frustrating or very very um, efficient. Uh, we had a guy last year uh, that works with us, Jason. He caught uh, 62 pigs in one trap, and then I think he had over 100 just that week. Um, so when you when they're coming to your corn where they're not being pressured from outside sources, um, without being run with dogs, people shooting at them, they're pigs. They're they're pretty easy to catch. Um, And how long do you got to train them up on the corn? um, With the system that we're using right now, uh, whenever they get on the corn, we set, the trap in in a matter of two or three nights we generally have oh them. so you're not like pre-baiting them for weeks to get them sometimes to we do and it depends on the type of trap and it depends on the time of year um so you know it varies There's, it's it's uh it's a wild animal you know it doesn't read the same books that we do so yeah. you, you know you could get them all the first night um or, or it could take a you know, month oh so you're kind of going by it you're, you're going by how many you know to be in the area and how many you figure are hitting the bait right in the and thought. how regularly you're hitting the bait. Right, and we use cameras a lot for that. Um, so what we want to do is catch, you know, we're, we're working for elimination. So we don't want to catch the first two pigs that run, at, run in the trap, you know. We want to catch the 28 others that are outside. So uh, we take steps to make sure that we get all of those uh animals in there to remove the whole group you know it, it, you know, one or one or two animals d- doesn't do us any good it educates the other ones that um, mm-hmm. y- you know it's a lot of investment for a very little return so so describe the trap and how it sort of relates to the bait pile well I, I I'm going to get in trouble for this because each trapper is very specific about how he likes it, as you can imagine. I can imagine. But the, the long and short of it um, is we use a, a round corral trap okay. um, with a, with a drop door in the front. We use a round corral trap that's elevated off the ground um we use well, the whole corral is the outdated. whole corral yeah and what's the well, diameter on that thing uh five 16 foot panels four 16 foot panels so whatever the math works out of that is pretty big um you know there's so a 16 by 16 corral yeah yeah um we use some commercially made ones um, spending it on what uh it's a, it's uh it's r- real hard to explain without there's there's a cardinal pole that goes in the in the middle and some arms that go out in the slide that goes up and down is kind of a reverse so it looks pulley, like an umbrella pulley yeah un- umbrella type mechanism and they'll walk in under the bar of the suspended trap it's really neat you know the noble foundation uh developed a trap uh called the Boar buster and we use it a lot and it's um it's really effective and i don't know but somebody needs to do a study i, I it's not that hogs don't look up, but they if they can see through something, I think uh they they go in they go in a lot faster than they do like a, a regular door, uh 6 8 foot wide door. I don't know if they don't like going through it or what, but the thing this the um guys that came up with the with that uh technology, man, they they revolutionized um uh hog trapping as far as getting hogs to go underneath started out uh, years ago i think with the drop nets you're, you're, yeah. you remember those yeah. same concept um this is just uh is just a hog trap and a metal hog trap that drops down and and so you know it just varies you know sometimes a regular door they'll run right in you just it, it, it's variable so so the drop trap are they monitoring it through some kind of camera? Right. So, um the commercial ones are monitored through some kind of camera. Ours are not because as you can tell this week by your cell phone, they're absolutely useless. You might as well throw it in the river out here. No cell service whatsoever. So, okay. ours are triggered uh manually by by a hog. And you know as as in, interesting, we we came up with all different um Sort of trigger mechanisms and and different ways of doing it to try to maximize our our catch and and uh, one of the guys that, that worked uh, work with us now said hey guys let's let's put the um the trigger the height of the biggest pig that we have on camera instead of right down on the ground oh there you go yeah and you know we kind of looked at each other like well we haven't been doing that for ten years you know. So uh, the first one's in, just like anything, you know, the young, dumb ones run right in, you know, the smaller animals. And generally, the last animal to go in is the mo- the biggest, most mature. And so the goal is to have that animal inside. And, and generally, when that animal's inside, then all the rest of them are caught. Yeah.
0: So how many did someone get in one trap? 62. I think 62
3: inside a, a 16 by 16 box. They were packed in, yeah.
0: Did it get them all? Some had to explore it, it all. Got
3: every one of them. It was yeah. It was super neat. And that was it. And it might have been sixty eight, but I think it was sixty two. Yeah, that was it. Gone. I mean, sixty two pigs gone. You know, in three nights, one guy. What does? What does? What would it take to do that with dogs? With stand hunting? With sport hunting? I mean, it's it's that's how you're not you, going to get there. You're not never. Uh uh-uh.
0: uh Yeah, I see what you're saying. now explain the other kind of trap the corral trap that's not suspended just uh, got
3: trap doors sure just trap doors and there's all different uh different styles and and, the, and they all work you know their own in their own uh, uh way and you know some are very effective and and some of them not so much that you know there's a whole other uh, discussion on the trap doors some some guys are super uh you know, it's trappers, man. They're all got their own thing, and and uh, so, but they're all effective. You know, once you train that animal to go inside, um, they're effective. There's multi-catch doors, and then the ones you can um, trigger from your cell phone, or ones that are manually triggered, and you know, all variations in in through there. When does aerial gunning come into play? Because that's got to be expensive. Well, aer- aerial gunning comes into play um, in Missouri, in, in in other areas, they do a lot more of it, but the terrain's a lot better for it than, than in the Ozarks, you know, um, aerial gunning comes into play when we're trying to protect a, um, very remote area. Um, you know, as you can imagine getting some traps way back in some of these areas, we also use aerial gunning for the last few animals, um, particularly if trap shy ones or ones we can't find, we'll use that helicopter um to do that. We d- we did it most recently um down in southeast Missouri when the when the water came up. And when the water comes up and the river floods and all of the um Pigs get on the levee systems. You can be very, very effective. Oh, um, so you pick, it, yeah, you pick and choose. And we also use aerial gunning, not just aerial gunning, but aerial surveillance. So when you're thinking about elimination, you have to detect everybody. So we know we may have some pigs in this area. We're not sure. So you can go up and look down in the wintertime and see if there's fresh rooting and or not. Like, hey, we we flew this whole area and there's no fresh rooting. It would taking us months. To scout it out by by ground, you know, or by foot. So it's used for other things other than than just aerial control. So where, like, take a place like where we're sitting right now. Right. There's pigs up there.
4: Yeah.
0: I think we uh, we took a picture of a track today. So where is it on the list? Right. Like like where is this spot? How do you got How would you typify this location? We are. We're in a big chunk of. Public land, right in uh, the Ozarks. So we're an elimination area. It's pretty heavily roaded up. Yeah, there's a lot of recreation goes on. Um, it's it's bordered by small farms and recreational properties, and there's some number of wild pigs out there. It, it, I, so is this spot like on hold or is it like on monitoring or is it active control? It's active control. Okay. So this is
3: Elimination Area Zone 4, I, I think. So Elimination Area Zone 4 calls for uh, X number of people. I'd have to look in the in the plan. But um, there's guys in this zone that, that are working this area nonstop. Uh, this is one of our uh, areas where we take the most, uh, Iron and Reynolds County. So you
0: have trappers that are working here now? Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah, all, yeah, all, all through this area. Sure. Okay.
6: Yeah.
0: And they're using all these different things that you've
6: created out. Where we where we were talking about that creek. There's a trap down there. Oh, a government trap. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay.
6: When you talk about someone trapping,
0: I thought when you mentioned that, I pictured that someone wanted to catch that pig to bring it to eat it or move it somewhere or whatever. I got you. So that was like a removal plan. Yeah. Cuz it's clean now. Yep. Yeah. Um you mentioned to me some work on some, some work has been done on the disease vector issue. Sure. And how it might apply to people. All right. Can you sketch out some of the, cause, cause it's a thing people say, right? Oh, pigs are full of diseases. Sure.
3: Like, um, like what? Uh, Trichinosis. You mentioned you got a dose of that, right? Yeah, yeah. They have trichinosis. Um, they have pseudorabies. People can't get pseudorabies, but your your dog can get pseudorabies, and you hear about that happening uh, uh, a lot. Brucellosis. People can get brucellosis. And cattle can get brucellosis. Cattle can get can, brucellosis. Can
0: brucellosis move from a pig to a cow? Do you know?
3: Um, I think there's brucell- brucellosis uh, suis and brucellosis. Um, for the bovines, and I'm not sure the veterinarian guys explain it to me, and and um, I don't follow it so much. But I know um that you that I don't know if the sewage maybe the sewage can go to the cows, but it can't be passed on or something but like. But it
0: that. could definitely go to the domestic pigs. Yeah. That's probably one of the sure. ones they would like sure. to not get into the uh, right food, into the food system, right?
3: And, and so those guys are all the, the ag industry is always testing their their herds, right? And they're always clean, 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 clean. And if they get a positive, that that whole thing gets quarantined, yeah. And and transport, you know, stops whether it's in state, out of state, whatever the the regs are, you know, transport stops. So
0: yeah, so so for listeners, if you if you follow her every year. You'll hear a big story about um, people fighting over whether bison that are leaving Yellowstone National Park. Um, the issue there comes down to this thing we're talking about with brucellosis. Depending on who you ask. I'll actually lay this whole thing out real quick as much as I can. So when the snows pile up in the late winter, you'll have buffalo migrate out of Yellowstone National Park. And they'll come out into various private lands, national forest lands, and, and go about their business. Um, there's a fear that these animals will, re, will, will reintroduce a Eurasian cattle disease back to cattle. So cattle that were brought here to the U.S. had a disease called brucellosis. Brucellosis was passed to Buffalo. And there's infections in the park. But then in the meantime, they eradicated it from domestic cows. So now the cattle producers in Wyoming and Montana enjoy what's called brucellosis-free status. They don't need to do the constant rigorous testing because there's no cases, and they haven't had a case in a while. What they're very afraid of is the minute one of these buffalo comes out, rubs noses, or no, it's actually passed, they'll drop a fetus, and and animals will lick and eat each other's uh, afterbirth. One of these things is going to pick the disease up, and all of a sudden the cattlemen of these states will no longer enjoy brucellosis-free status. And I think that it actually, this is something that should be fixed, really. It actually goes state level. So a guy in the south, you know, the, the guy in the extreme south of Montana or the extreme north of Wyoming could get brucellosis in his cattle herd, and it affects a guy 400 miles away up in some other corner of the state. Some people say that the brucellosis thing in terms of buffalo, some people say it's all bullshit. And what it really comes down to is a conversation about grazing rights. So that's just, and they say that this brucellosis thing is sort of a proxy in place of this other argument about is this grass belong to cattle or does this grass belong to these wild-ass animals? And so people fight that out all the time but until sitting here with you right now i had no idea that there's with Same. wild pigs a bruce right and,
3: an and so there is there a reservoir right we can get it out of domestics but you cannot get it out of the wild population so it's always there it's always a threat it's an, always an issue can
0: you explain uh you, you mentioned something yesterday that, that there's, there's like a
3: closed system with domestic <laughs> pork sure yeah so um you know, back in back in the day, everybody raised uh, their hogs out in the pasture or uh, woven wire fence, you know, hog wire, we called it, electric fence. Or, feeding or, the or, restaurant. Right, feeding life, and, you know, the whole thing. And you, you heard as a kid, hey, uh, cook your... Cook your pork cook, cook your pork dough whatever cook it, cook it, cook it well, you don't hear that so much in, in, anymore because in order to meet that demand, those pigs have been brought in inside and and raised in confinement um they're they're it's it's much it's much easier you don't have to worry about the disease you don't have to you, you know you could monitor it and measure it and and move your animals and through control their diet of course, yeah, the whole thing um so so when they're in there, they, they're not, you know, rubbing noses or whatever with feral swine, you know, transmitting disease out there on the ground or picking up those different nematodes or whatever it is, um, we can get it out. Now, um, there's kind of a movement to go back to more of a, uh, uh, free range pasture fed type of, of pork, which is, you know, kind of a, Kind of a neat thing, I think, but but those, you know, those diseases are going to start popping back up. You know, we're going, you're going to get trichinosis. Um, people are going to get those different things because uh, they're not cooking their pork. Um, so, and that yeah. probably
0: incentivizes people, especially well to control the wild, to control the feral swine. Sure, yeah, you we know, have it, increased chance of exposure. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, in the U.S. Not, uh, right now. I can't remember what ninety some percent of trichnosis cases are transmitted
3: through black bear meat. Yeah, yeah.
4: No so one, let me. No one's so, a way to
3: get it out of black bears. No, nah, no. Nah, nah. So that's that. You know, those disease issues are, are a reason that we we often get the get the question. Why don't you guys donate the meat? Um, you know, there's a number of reasons we don't donate donate the meat of the of the hogs that w- that we capture. Um, it, number one is is a disease issue. You, you know, we work for the federal government. Could you imagine if we donated? A um, bunch of trichinosis uh, uh, leading uh, me sure to to somebody and they eat up with trichinosis. I mean, it's that's that's a nightmare. Uh, plus, you don't want to be giving people trichinosis. Gee whiz, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. what are the handling risks? You know, the, each, each state uh, game and fish puts out a handling risk. You know, wear gloves. You know, if you have cuts on your hands and, you know, uh, wear gloves, don't clean it, uh, wash your hands good afterwards, cook your, cook your pork thorough if it's, if it's a wild hog. You know, cooking will kill most of all that stuff, but 100% of the people are not going to 100% cook, uh, cook their pork another reason we don't like to, to donate them, so to speak, is it, is it gives them value. And and once someone g- starts receiving free pork, what's the incentive to get rid of that pork? Or, yeah. or want it gone, you know?
0: No, I, th- I could see that it would create, like uh, earlier we talked about mission confusion. Yeah. It would create mission confusion sure. for sure. Yeah. So do you feel that you know, I know this is like that. This is going on all around the country, um, but do you feel that it's plausible that that in ten years we'd be like, wow, uh, turns out, you know, Missouri,
3: for instance, no longer has wild pigs. Yeah. So in in ten years, I don't know if we'll have wild pigs or not, but I will say um, it's relatively new, and, and is you know. 10, 15 years. So the populations are not as dense as they are in other parts of the country. Uh, Once again, the Missouri Department of Conservation rolled up their sleeves and said, we're going to fix this. And they've put the resources into fixing that. And I believe our population, even within this short infancy of the program, is starting to shrink. So what's going to happen in 10 years? I can't tell you, but I know that we're doing good in the areas that we're working. They're getting harder to find. Um, we're, we're getting more. Uh, opposition from the people who want them, which is, in my mind, a good thing because they're going, to, oh, oh, you know, it's it's harder for them to hunt them. They're not able to do what they have and move them and transport them and and all those things they've done for uh, you know, untouched for the last ten years. So, um, yeah, I, I I think I think in ten years our our six elimination areas are going to or maybe four elimination areas. Okay.
0: Yeah. How much is all this? costing everybody i mean like these decisions by people to take these you know decisions by people to break the law and cut loose feral swine right winds up being sort of an enormous burden on people so um
3: the starter say the the starter money was from the the uh feral swine initiative and it was to the tune of 20 million dollars and so that has been, like I said, well, uh, seed money or starter money. Each each state runs a little bit different program depending on, on how, how the state wants it to handle or, or what they do. But so uh, starter money was $20 million. Now, people uh, have developed cooperative relationships like we have in Missouri. Um, you know, the Mark Twain National Forest puts in a lot of money. Um, Missouri State Parks, um, like I said, Missouri Department of Conservation, Army Corps of Engineers. They're all throwing money into a pot for uh, USDA, APHIS Wildlife Services to hire trappers and and do that work. So, you know, all across the state, just, you know, just governmental agencies. There's no telling it's the multi, multi, multi millions of dollars, not to mention the private uh, people who are doing those types of things, you know, so... I remember years ago looking at a map of the U.S.
0: and it showed where you could raise cattle without supplemental feeding. And it was surprising. Surprising like the places you can't raise cattle without supplemental feeding. Have you ever seen a map? Has anyone drawn up a map of where is it possible that wild pigs could get established when you factor in climate issues? I have a hard time picturing that northern
3: Wyoming. Wouldn't faze them. The brutality they're, of the winter? They're in Quebec. You know, they, they're, they're all in Canada. It doesn't faze them. They're tough as nails. That's why they're such a bad invasive. Yeah.
0: Wouldn't faze them. Because I've seen pictures of them in, in, you know, in Siberia. Sure, in the s- running around in the snow, which sure. looks crazy, yeah.
5: But you feel like Northern
0: Wyoming's t- uh, t- harsher climate, huh? I remember, I remember that Colorado feels it's plausible. I think they've already had them in there. Yeah, but there's the, there's a difference, and in, 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 and maybe you can speak to this. Maybe Parker can speak to this because there's a difference, like the Michigan ones. The Michigan cases might be in these like isolated cases where some guys run in some little fake hunting place where you go and pretend that you're hunting a pig, right, and He gets some escape, like a dozen get away. So almost like, oh, my God, Michigan's got wild pigs. But it's kind of like very isolated, gets mopped up pretty quickly. You know, it's not sort of this where you just have these populations that are naturally reproducing, going on for many generations, spreading around. You just get these like isolated blips. And so... Yeah, I have. I, I don't know. I'm not like a pig guy, a wild pig guy. Yeah. I've, I've enjoyed hunting them in quite a number of locations, but it, yeah, it's hard for me to picture that in Wyoming. It's open country, tons of snow, extremely cold. Uh, it's just hard for me to picture that you would that that it's possible that a that a sounder would get a foothold and start naturally reproducing and not just be. Well, it was, wiped out was the question. Uh, 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 can you wipe them out, or could they live there?
3: No, yeah. you're right. I can. I, I asked two different things. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, so the northern Wyoming. Uh, I've never been there. Um, I, I'm guessing it's open, uh, a lot of rolling prairie. I, I don't know. Aer- yeah. Aerial gunning would be extremely, extremely effective. Okay, and and yeah, it would be uh, yeah. so easy to eliminate. But, sure, but could live there after perfectly fine yeah yeah
0: as evidenced by the fact like i said they come from siberia right
3: you know i i know they uh my counterpart in north dakota um they do feral swine work coming in from canada North time. Dakota. yeah
0: oh it's coming from the north
3: yeah what? coming yeah the influx is from the north
0: north dakota gets feral pigs coming from the from north
3: yeah yeah really sure yeah what are they doing up there Somebody put them there. No, but what are they eating? Uh, they're pigs. They'll eat anything, you know, roots, tubers, eggs, they, you know, whatever. So there's wild
0: pigs crossing vegetation. the international border. Sure. Yeah. Huh.
3: All right.
0: That answers that question regularly. So that's
5: how we're going to get them in Montana, too, right next door. So you keep tabs on kind of what's going on in the whole country.
3: Well, no, I don't care. I I know what's going on, you know, just by my counterparts and and the the projects they're doing, you
5: know. So in the States, I only know one for sure, I think off the top of my head, but, like, Indiana has Mm -hmm. outlawed the hunting of the pigs. Do they feel over there like that's working for them?
3: They do. And states that outlaw hunting have recognized that – Hunting is, and I, I wish there was a different word than hunting. I don't even like to say hunting, but it's pursuit of barnyard animals. I, I don't know.
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with
3: you. Yeah, um, so they've recognized that is what exacerbates the problem. That's why they're there. That's why people move them. That's what they want to do. Now, those states that don't have that culture, they can go, we've banned wild hog hunting. Everybody goes, all right, whatever. We don't know what you're talking about. You know, so it, it's it's a very effective yeah. way to um, get some really important legislation introduced.
0: Everyone I know that used to move fish around from lake to lake and river to river, if you told them it was illegal to fish that species of fish in that lake, even though it didn't have any yet, they would have been completely de incentivized. Of course, to dump them in there. Why would you do
3: it? Sure.
0: Unless someone's like, I'm just a rule breaker anyway, man, and a rule breaker, I'll break the rule of putting them there, and then I'll break the rule of hunting them.
3: Yep, it goes back to the public land thing. If you got a bucket full of whatever fish, and that guy's like, don't ever come to my pond, and this neighbor over here says, everybody can fish. You're right in the pond, man. Yeah. You know?
1: Same thing. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
0: Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Errands. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators. Furniture for your living room or bedroom. Even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley, and you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. Here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too, return it, then take home something new. Life's always changing. With errands, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Errands fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest errands store or visit errands.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of house plants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one or two days. Along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation Forever, I've been shopping around on fast-growing trees, and I am fixing to get me a couple spruce trees for my yard. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. Our listeners get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using code MEATEATER at checkout. Visit fastgrowingtrees.com and use code MEATEATER at checkout for an additional 15% off fastgrowingtrees.com code meat eater. Offer is valid for a limited time. Minimum purchase may be required. Terms and conditions apply.
3: Where are you going to go next? Where am I going to go next? Yeah. I'm going home to finish my turkey season.
0: No, but I mean... (laughs) What's your next like? What like in a career like yours? What happens next?
3: You did New Hampshire,
0: yeah. Florida,
3: yeah. Missouri, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm digging Missouri. I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty mad at the pigs right now. So um we'll stick it out here a while and see what happens. And how many guys do you have out right now? Not right now, but I mean, how many guys are working the pig problem? So like, we, we go back to the partnership. We and it's uh it's being looked at nationally as a as a good model on on how to. Uh, eliminate feral swine, and, and uh, those different agencies, about half of them actively have people out on the ground doing doing uh, hog trapping. And we work together seamlessly. MDC, uh, Missouri Department of Conservation, USDA, Fish Wildlife Service, Mark Twain National Forest, Army Corps Engineers, all those trappers know each other. They're all in communication. They're working around them. So, I, you know, I have 20... 25 or, or so going and in mdc has however many they have in mark twain so you know as far as people doing actual trapping in the state there's quite a few so yeah. you have 25 trappers
0: right now what's a good uh year for those guys uh a good I guess year. it'd be a bad, the higher the numbers would be the worst year, but let me, That's let me good. phrase it
3: different. So you, you got one guy, you got one guy, if they kill three pigs, they're they're high-fiving and going to get beers because, hey, they killed three pigs out of 10 and 30% of the population. The other guy in, across the state killed 600, and uh, he has no idea, you know, he's just he's just working as hard as he can. So I see. Yeah, it depends on where you are, man, you know. hey, there's There's legendary pigs. Hey, we finally got her he finally did and the word spreads you know
0: like some female
3: would just, right
5: like yes yeah, like been, how long had she been a legend like how long has she been, a like uh, has uh, she been uh, invading a you know a couple years, of years you
3: know oh, wow. and and um you know you, you you'd kill her offspring and she'd still be knocking around you know and you can't shoot her can't trap her yeah yeah super super smart and then finally you get her you know and it's yeah and once you get them you know, you got them. And, and that's, that's why it's so important not to just remove a few because of the uh, fecundity of hogs. Man, you got to get them all and you got to be relentless and you, you got to stay on them. And, you know, 90% of our effort goes into 5% of the population. It's that last 5%. I see. That's
5: the same thing. Remember when Steve Kendrot was talking about getting rid of those nutrients? Yeah,
3: same thing. He's like, this. man,
5: it was easy to get the first 95%, but, man, that last 5%, man, they had to come up with all
3: kinds of different techniques. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. people are talking about off-the-wall stuff, and you're going, try it. <laughs> try it. Yeah, yeah. We got to get
0: her. What's, like, one of the most off-the-wall strategies you can think of that someone used to get a pig? I,
3: I don't... There's been all sort of bait, lure, tractant concoctions made up. Um, I, the generally they're killed by night shooting. Those, and, those last holdouts. And and generally it's the guys that make the decision. I'm going nocturnal, and I'm not. I'm not going to see the light of day and until I do and they stay up all night and they just become the night predators you know yeah. and those guys are the I mean, it becomes personal with them you know and it's like I've been after this animal for say, you know and wanting to do a good job and and some of our people are so super dedicated and generally that's generally that's what gets them the nocturnal you know guys being able to scratch an area off the map scratch it off the map there's something to be said for that you know, hey, that that dot's gone now, or that blob's gone, and the, yeah. the blobs are shrinking. And we're doing uh, we're doing stuff statewide, and 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 the feedback you get from the from the landowners, man, it's just it, it's awesome to be able to help them with that problem. Yeah,
0: can I ask you something that has nothing to do with pigs? Yeah, you were saying that you grew up. Uh, well, I'm going to segue into it because you grew up with pig dogs. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I did. I, 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 but that's not that's not a tu- that's not an effective tool to even use in these situations.
3: I say this: uh, hog dogs are the most efficient way to wake up in the morning and say, "I'm going to go catch one pig." Okay. Now, if you show me a pig dog that can catch sixty two at once, by God, I'm singing the singing the song of the hog dogs. But, but no. But even when you got it down to that one. It, that's if you were looking at it like that's not really the way to go about it. In Missouri, that's that's something that that we've decided not to do. In in other areas, they do utilize that tool, and it can be effective. Okay. Yep. When you got
0: one, you can't. When catch, you're
3: down to the last one, right? You can use it. So,
0: but you also said you grew up with squirrel dogs, yeah? And then you imported squirrel dog technology. I did. I into did. a place that isn't using it
3: right and and it is um i'm i did you my, bring your squirrel dogs in new hampshire no i would uh, caught them by surprise i did not there. they have those uh you probably know about the red squirrels man like yeah. uh, those things are no good no, they're no. the red squirrels i know those, I know those well and, and you pine squirrels yeah, yeah pine squirrels you wouldn't want to taint a good southern squirrel dog on a red squirrel so we we stayed away from there, that. you know
0: yeah. they you can eat them people say they you know, it tastes like turpentine or whatnot because it eats a lot of pine. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's basically it's a squirrel that just happens to be very small. Yeah. It's just a small squirrel. There, bad are, attitude. Guys, there bad are guys, there are guys, yeah, but there are guys in Alaska that will go out in the winter and hunt pine squirrels to eat. Pine squirrels have, at times, had fur market value. Oh. So there's been times when, um, for paintbrush and other usages, when you could get like a buck for a pine squirrel. And there would be guys, you know, in the old days—not the old old days, but yeah, you know, during the night, you know, periods during the 1900s, when they're worth a buck a piece, and people would go stack up hundreds of them—that's good money—and and make money on buck a piece pine squirrels. Yeah, but food-wise, even where I grew up, when you if you were out hunting squirrels, we hunted gray squirrels and fox squirrels. You would when you saw a pine squirrel, you wouldn't go after it, but they'd be intermixed, you know. Yeah,
3: yeah. I don't know if the dog would differentiate between i don't know how they'd respond to it i don't know either
0: but you know the pine squirrels are feisty yeah like they prey on snowshoe hare leverets oh yeah they did a mortality study on snowshoe hares and i think they found that uh of the 20 like they of the ones they lost they found 27 of them or so i'm sorry they did this mortality study you know the ones they were able to put Tracking devices on twenty seven percent of them turned up in snow in uh squirrel middens, pine squirrel middens. Really, they hammer them.
3: I did not know that. Yeah. Huh. Bird
0: eggs, snowshoe hair, babies, all kinds of stuff. They're a yeah. They're a. They're kind of like a. I think of them as a cross almost between like a mink and a squirrel. Yeah. Like in their sort of ferocity, and and the, the beeping, chirping, brrr, they yeah. do. Yeah. They'll, yeah, they'll come get right in your face. Yeah, man. they do. Yeah, they'll come right down and get in your face and. Get in your house. Yeah. There's a whole, yeah, different temperament, man. Yeah. They're, they're, not, kind of like, they're kind of like electric with energy, you know. Not as majestic as a gray squirrel. No, not as ma- <laughs> well, no, not as majestic. But tell me about bringing, so you, in
3: Georgia, mm-hmm.
0: everybody has a squirrel dog, you're saying.
3: Yeah, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, you know, East Tennessee, there's a lot, you know, a, a lot more Squirrel hunting with dogs that goes on there. I think squirrel hunt's probably pretty common um, all up and down the East Coast. You know where the gray squirrels are. Yeah, and, and, but not with dogs. Not with dogs so much. More but when you bring way.
0: squirrel dogs.
3: Yeah. So you make here, a lot of friends, man, when you bring squirrel dogs in Missouri because people want to go hunt with you. Oh yeah, it's great fun. But are the
0: squirrels not used to it? Like, does it? Did, did you find a difference? Like, man, these squirrels are just not expecting. This no, so the, the 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 squirrels are responding to the dogs the same, the same here than they do where they've had many many years yeah. of exposure to dogs. Yeah,
3: I don't know that they know it's a dog or a fox or a coyote. They just know that it's something that could eat them and they want to get away from it. Okay, yeah. So it wasn't like the it wasn't like the land of milk and honey when you first showed up with your dogs. Well, it, it's the land and milk of milk and honey, and as much as there's a lot more fox squirrels in Missouri than than in alabama or 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 georgia you guys are mostly hunting eastern greys mostly yeah some of those big southern fox squirrels we call them cat squirrels you know those great big ones you know all varied colors uh well the fox squirrels here are mostly red and they seem to be i don't know if they're not as intelligent as the gray squirrels and they sit out where the dogs really can, can see them man and they hang their tail down like a flag and it It uh, makes it
0: easier to pick out. It drives the the
3: dogs nuts. Yeah, yeah, they can see them. So, man, I've never thought. Have you ever thought that, like a like a sort of like
0: a sort of caginess difference between grays and fox squirrels?
3: I was delicate on that. There's a difference. There's a distinct difference of caginess. Of caginess.
0: Now, it. I know that like the micro habitats they like are different. Correct. For sure. Yeah. And there's areas I've hunted where it's all one. There's areas I've hunted where it's all the other. But where I grew up, there was intermixed. And it might be that down in the ravine bottom or whatever, you get down there and it'd be a lot of grays down there. And then up top, you know, up in the beach trees up top, sure. you'd see a lot of fox squirrels, but you wouldn't think anything of looking up a tree and seeing one of each. Yeah. And I've never detected like that one was I used to think we like the fox squirrels better because they're huge. Yeah, and the gray squirrels, at times, we like them better because they're more of a novelty. But over my life, gray squirrels became far more prevalent.
4: Mm-hmm. You,
0: you could—I I, don't—I have no idea what that's attributed to. Watch, you just watch that shift happen to become in in that area where I grew up to become like not nearly the fox squirrels as we had gray squirrels. Right. And I don't think it's just because
3: people were selective pressure from hunting. Oh, no. Uh, some hunting I has no, uh, I, I don't think, is very, very negligible on, on squirrel populations, if any. But up here, you're hunting where people aren't hitting them hard, though, right? Yeah. I, you know, I, um, I I hunt and have never seen an, another squirrel hunter in there. I don't, I don't know that, I think parts of the state, um, people, people hunt them a little bit. But where I am in, in central Missouri, I've never seen uh, another squirrel hunter, let alone a dog. Squirrel hunter. Now, you hunt I've got... Public, a, you hunt public land? I hunt public land. Both public and private, yeah. What's a good day? Um, a good day... I think our best day this year was maybe 18 or so. How do you guys cook them? Well, I killed 211 this year. And so I've cooked them every way I can. My wife has had it with me and squirrel meat. Um... Lot. She's sick of it. She's done. And you know, my 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 children, Grace and Brody, they got the twenty gauges, and they follow me around, and do a great job. But like I told you guys, I've eaten a lot of lead shot this year, a lot. Um, so
0: you're, you're waiting for the kids to get old enough to be able to use 22. Yeah, I,
3: I am, I am, and and when your wife bites down into the into the number six, it's not counting when you do. You bite down, spit it out, and go, oh a shot. You know, she yeah, looks at
0: you, you with it. Out, like, yeah. you gotta kiss the cook. That's right. She finds yeah, piece of shot. <laughs> yeah, mama gives you the evil look. So well, yeah, but on lead, it's not bad. It's like you know. I know half people I know have lost teeth, busted teeth on steel shot, yeah. lead. You know, I mean, sure. you don't want to be eating it, but it's not, it's not as horrible for your teeth as it is eating waterfowl. right? But what are you guys fry it? Yeah, we fry it, cook uh, it down and we, pick
3: it. What do you do? Yeah, we cook it down and pick it. Um, man, you, you name it, make gumbo, uh, jambalaya. Uh, we, we, we make everything. You're ever just fry you barbecue it on the bone? It. Oh, sure, of course, yeah. You barbecue it? Yeah. Uh, you, you, you have two hundred squirrels in the freezer. You're coming up with different uh, ways to cook them. And, and squirrel, what are your kids' feelings about it? As far as eating it, yeah, Oh scarf it down. Particularly my little girl Grace. She she knocks it down. They they love it. I think it's one of the most underrated meats, dude, in man. the woods. Yeah, it's delicious.
0: And it, no, there's no one who eats it when it's properly prepared. It's delicious. People are blown away by it. Sure. Have you sous vide any? No might be on to something. Maybe so.
5: I'm going to send uh, Parker honorary membership to the Rocky Mountain Squirrel Foundation. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You're going to start <laughs> a, you have to start an eastern branch of the Rocky Mountain Squirrel Foundation. Yeah.
5: do you well, like wants, Do you, do us do us do you like the fox squirrels? Or, like, when you go out and hunt them, if mm-hmm. you shoot a couple of each, are you, like, stoked that you got a few fox squirrels? No, or, man, I want the gray squirrels. Like, yeah. I like the gray I'll squirrels, say, you like the...
3: No, I like the gray squirrels. The, the, so for the, eating the dogs, yeah, the dogs like the fox squirrels. On,
0: you think a gray squirrel eats better than a fox squirrel?
3: Oh yeah, oh for sure. Really?
0: Yeah, but you yeah, guys don't. Well, no, because I you can't I argue
3: eating them enough. To, you can't to argue with the size, man. What, what are I know, but the flavor and the toughness uh, issue, Ooh. I think, huh?
5: See that's another question for you because what I've been starting to do uh, is I'll try to grade them, which I think from what I think are young squirrels. If I have a pile, mm-hmm. I mean if I only have three, then whatever, they're all going in the same bag. But if I've got ten, I'll be like, all right, those are like the four old tough bastards with, yeah, you know, nuts as big as your thumb. Right. Those are going into the crock pot, right? And then I'll try to be like, all right, those are look younger, and I'll cook them whole on the grill, and they can be eaten that way. I'd almost
3: trade you a mess of. Headshot young gray squirrels for almost anything else in the woods. I mean, it's those are the primo. Those,
0: oh, those nice give other stuff to receive those for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. What, uh, you ever Even a it? turkey breast? Um, yeah, probably a turkey breast. <laughs> Damn. I, I'd trade a turkey breast for a, for a limit of headshot grays. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> those that. those are strong are, words. <laughs> are,
0: you, are you familiar with the chef? Uh, Are you familiar with the chef Jamie Oliver? No. no. English kid? Uh, Not kid. I don't know how old he is. Well, he's just got this marinade. Some recipe book I had of his. He's got this marinade where it's like lemon and thyme and pulped up thyme and and lemon juice and olive oil and whatnot. But what I started doing was taking the squirrels and taking a fork. So, So skin the squirrel, right? Piece it out. And then take a fork and that back leg, I will jab that fork. Yeah, a jillion times, twenty, thirty times in that back leg, per, just completely perforate. Because you, you, once you're eating, you never know that. Like, it's not like it's full of holes, right? It comes back sure. together. Sure, perforate it a bunch of times, and then take the back, the back straps, and prick them a ton of times, and then marinate them and just cook them on a grill. It, it's unbeatable. So nothing like slow cooking. Just cook them on a grill and then, and then eat the meat off. Huh. that was i've never done a fox squirrel like that though you need to and then report back yeah because once i got on to doing that recipe i was only in gray squirrel areas mm. yeah because i was doing that when i was hunting in new york state and in new york state a lot of eastern grays yeah are where you, i am are, now western grays
5: are you a uh step on the tail and uh Yank them off, skinning?
3: No,
4: I... Technique? You don't
3: tail skin. No, I don't. And you're from the American South? I am. I know a lot of guys who do. I. Um, you do I, the pants and shirt? I, yeah, I do the pants and shirt. But I think as I get older and my strength goes, I'm going to have to tailskin. But I, I pants and shirt them. I can, I can go right through them pretty good. And you use a feister or a cur dog? Um, I use a cur dog. It's a smaller cur. Um, Just one dog? I just have one dog. Now, uh, I have some friends who I've introduced into it that we hunt uh, together, so. And
0: they're getting dogs, too.
3: Oh, yeah, they're, it's it's total. I, and I was telling my friends at the Department of Conservation that there's the three squirrel dog men now. I, I'm sure there's others. I just don't know them, you know, <laughs> it, in Missouri, and I'm coming for them to extend the season yeah, yeah, a little bit longer, so.
0: Do you think you're going to grow to regret introducing that piece of technology and not
3: just keeping quiet about it of course not and you know why no it's the kids it's great great kid hunt i mean you don't have to be quiet you can walk around you can teach them uh gun control walking through the woods crossing fences um safety all of those things it's enjoyable they're not freezing their pet is there so they get to pet their dog um i I I got my squirrel dog. I grew up doing it, and and I got it for the children, and it, it is I, I won't regret that. Is this a, a house dog or an outside dog? Well, I'm ashamed to say, it. and the people that know me are gonna are going. It it gets in my wife's bed. It follows her around. Now, I, now not my bed. We sleep in the same bed, but I don't claim it as our bed. She, uh, <laughs> I'm like, get that dog out of my bed. <laughs> I've got it. You know, when I am going to get a squirrel dog, I went and and picked it up from a a buddy in Alabama that grows them, uh, has some nice uh, squirrel dogs. Uh, Had a pen built, you know, the whole thing ready, nice kennel. I thought was good. Even put it up off the ground so the dog wouldn't be on the gravels. Uh, Had a hay bale I was going to put. And that's not been in the pen once.
0: Our friend Kevin Murphy is telling me that he recently heard of a squirrel dog selling for
3: $20,000 must be a good squirrel dog.
0: You'd like to think, will not you?
3: Yeah, I, I don't know that I've seen one that good. So you just got yours.
4: Yeah.
0: When you have a squirrel dog, uh, what's the minimum amount you can hunt it and
3: still have it, know what's up? Still have it, know how to do it. It depends on the dog. You know, but, uh, you know, the more you hunt any dog, the better it is. For sure. Um,
0: but when it, let's say you, you live in a state where you can't hunt squirrels for for five months out of the year.
3: You can still put them up, can't you? Just not shoot them. Okay. The dog doesn't know. get tired of that. No, it's in them. You know, it's like a retriever. You, if that, that dog lay on the floor there, if you took a tennis ball, it would probably throw till bring it back to you till he died. He doesn't know why. He just like he just wants to do it.
0: So, so you can train. You can run. You can run squirrels. And and if you don't shoot the squirrel out of the tree, the dog doesn't get mad. He still thinks he had a good
3: time. Oh, he's loving it. Yeah, yeah. My dog particularly doesn't care to. Some of the dogs really want to get the squirrel. My dog, you know, um, once the squirrel's dead, it it could care less. It, it it the drive is to tree another squirrel.
0: Yeah, let me tell yeah. you something
3: graphic right now. Okay,
0: my our friend Kevin Murphy, uh, his squirrel dog, one of them
3: eats the head. Yep, they all is that common. That, that's very common. I had a dog Jack that only wanted. We called him Head Juice. They only wanted to eat the head. I don't know what, what that is. So but it just
0: runs in squirrel dogs. They just want to
3: crunch their head, yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. I thought that dog was sick. Now I think it's just a normal dog. Yeah, it's common. And then, did it just come out of the box wanting to hunt squirrels, or did you have to try to teach it something?
3: No, they... Um you don't have to teach it much. Now you mess with it and and show it squirrels and and bring it along and and but yeah, it's in them. You know, it's like a retriever or a pointer or whatever. You know, they're they're bred to want to be tree dogs, and so that's what they do. The hard thing for me is to differentiate between yard squirrels and woods squirrels. So, uh, you know, Mama and the kids like seeing the squirrels in the yard. I got to wait for the for them to leave to in those thin those down do that, you know right. the, the dogs looking out you know looking out the window just quivering <laughs> you know mm-hmm. you know going crazy and you know so but it's fun
0: and then do you keep a dog for hunting ducks too i don't no just the squirrel dog and you it, just go over and pick up ducks yourself yeah if i'm if i'm lucky enough to hit one you yeah. do you view your because you grew up hunting and grew up around that Do you view your work now as like an extension of that or does it just feel like completely different? It's like it's just there's work and then there's what you do for fun.
3: It's completely different, but the reason I have this job is because of my love for the outdoors and hunting and fishing. And and so what I I do now, um, the enjoyment I get is seeing that my work is going to – the benefit of of the outdoors, or yeah, yeah. benefit of native wildlife, sure, and the ecosystems and those those yeah. So this is just an extension of of want, liking to do that.
0: Do good trappers when you have a trapper working for you. Do all the good trappers have a, a a hunting and fishing background, or can you just, or do you find people can just get it and figure it out, even though they didn't grow up doing that kind of stuff? Both, yeah, yeah.
3: yep, yep. There's no um. Uh, a lot of times the guys who grew up and, and gals who grew up doing it are a, are a little bit more familiar with it. But, you know, we've had some people with no background whatsoever and we introduced them and trained them and it turned out really top-notch. Yeah. Sure.
0: And then you mentioned that. So you found that um, you have men and women that work on the, the trapping teams. Right. Yeah. And then... uh do the people that trap do they want to staying with it for years or is it like summer technician kind of jobs?
3: Both. It's uh it's um it's kinda like you love it or you've you after you get a belly full, you kinda wanna do something else. So there's people who have, have done it their entire career and that's all they want to talk about and it's it's it totally consumes them. Mm-hmm. There's people who do a good job and say, Okay, you know, I've I've caught n- enough hogs or or whatever or coyotes or whatever it is and they move on or they move up into you know in a more of a, a biologist role you, you know and they work on on different things and you know it's just natural progression
0: is it hard to fill the positions the reason I'm asking all these questions is i could picture a lot of people that listen to this would be like man that's the job for me yeah yeah it's it's
3: not hard to fill the position at all um so but it's very people hard want, people want that work it's very hard to get people to stay everything turns into a job right um and so
0: so they think they're gonna be out just hunting yeah pigs all yeah and pig hunting.
3: Good, good times and if you, hunted, if you hunted if you hunted if you hunted and then we don't hunt them we we do control work if you hunted pigs every day you got up and you went to work at eight o'clock and came home at five o'clock and you hunted pigs all day long you're gonna get real tired of that real quick
5: yeah not nearly as fun
3: no yeah you got any more questions
5: yeah, I did have one just now. Um, shucks, can you come back to me? Yeah, because I'll, th- I'll tell I'll you think something.
0: Of it. One, uh, I started trapping muskrats with my brothers when we were young. I was ten when I caught my first muskrat, and I then I got into all manner. You know, I, I trapped everything, fur trapping, and stuck with it till I was twenty-two. Mm. When I set my last, you know when I set my last trap with the intent of making money on it, now and then I'll go right, catch something for making, you know, fur hat for sure. me or my wife or whatever. But uh, when I found out about that, there was such a thing as, like, animal damage control work, for a while I thought that that was the job I was going for. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have been, would in some other version of events, I would have been one of the people sending in an application right. to check pigs, yeah. to trap pigs. It would have been, like, immensely appealing to me.
5: I had a sit down in interview once with a with the I was a private guy working in Colorado and we started just chatting. I was working in retail. He's like, you know, we ought to, you know, have pizza or something next there's a pizza joint right next door. So I met him for lunch a few days later, and I was jacked up. I was like, Yeah, dude, this sounds great. You know, I'll learn all about this. And he's like, Yeah, it's you know, most of it's during uh, like September, October, November. And I was like, Hold on, <laughs> that's hunting season. I can't be doing that, you know. What was he after? It was probably mostly a lot of beaver work, you know, beavers Mm -hmm. messing up, you know, chopping down people's pretty aspens in their backyards along all the creeks in Colorado, a lot of that, probably some coons. What kind of retail were you doing? Selling retail clothes, outdoor clothing shop. Oh, yeah. But uh, remember my question, coyotes are kind of a new uh, animal here in Missouri, right? No, they've been around for quite
0: a while. Like more hey. than a couple decades they new they new tons of other places I didn't know that, so oh. they've been they've had a foothold here for a long time, yeah yeah,
3: yeah they've been here for for
5: quite a while, yeah. so people that were kids here in the uh sixties seventies they were they had coyotes, yeah, like, yeah. they've been here long, oh, long, long, yeah. so I can interesting. a long time. I'm
2: hundred
5: kind of figure this is part of the West, the eastern migration, but uh I, I can still follow that up with uh do you have many conflicts? with coyotes that you guys deal with
3: we do have um some some conflicts not as not as many as some of the uh, western states the sh- sheep growers and and some uh, of the cattle places a, a lot of ours are urban conflicts um a couple get
5: cats getting nabbed.
3: yeah you know um uh, seeing them running around and and you know, coyotes can live anywhere, and and they do pretty pretty good every mm-hmm. anywhere they are. So, um, so yeah, most of ours would probably be urban. You know, they like to for wildlife services anyway. They like that the airport environment. So we take some off of airports and, and those types of things, but not as big of an issue in Missouri um, as it is in other states. The Missouri Department of Conservation does so, some coyote work. Um, it's not really our arena. Got it. Yeah.
0: Brandon, you've been hanging out, but do you have any uh, concluders? Any final things you wanted to ask about?
6: Nothing to ask about. I think just as a, a concluder, I wanted to just kind of emphasize how complicated conservation is. And people always attribute hunting to conservation. But I think in the case of the feral hog, that's the opposite. And I'd encourage people, especially here in Missouri, to to not embrace that culture because it puts in jeopardy the cultures that we truly should embrace, like deer hunting and turkey hunting and squirrel hunting, our native species that belong here on the landscape, and these hogs don't. And if you participate in that, um, you're abiding by something that is, you know, having a negative reaction on those heritages that we hold so dear. Yeah. You're throwing away or jeopardizing, like, some deep traditions. Yeah. And a functioning landscape yeah it's it's hard to manage these forests you know we don't we don't just let the forest go anymore there's a lot of work that goes into keeping these habitats healthy and when these hogs come in and you know root up spring creeks and and destroy uh species like the dragonfly you were talking about parker and uh, ruin habitat for other game species that we you know, have such immense value on, not only recreationally in this area, but economically. Uh, it's, it's a bad thing all the way around. I wish it was possible
0: to get a better sense of what kind of dent they put into turkeys, you know, as a ground nesting bird.
6: You know, we hear it, it, we hear be people... So hard to,
0: it'd be so hard to look at that, probably. Making the
6: claim that, you know, that they eat a lot of the eggs. Um, but I don't know if there's... Parker's, there been a study done on that that you're aware oh, of? Oh,
3: I'm sure. Yeah, there's probably uh, several studies. But it, it, it's let's face it, it's, it's a hog. It's an invasive species that doesn't belong here. So if it eats one turkey nest, it, it's, it's too many. Yeah, yeah. Sure. They're ne- a negative impact on, 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 all of our ground nesting birds. I mean, they root on the ground. They, you know, they take those, they those. Totally, not only, uh, you know, you think about it, not only turkeys or, or quail for instance, or, or some of those other small, you know, birds that, that nest low in the lands, you know, in the forest understro- understory, you know, hogs are having a, an impact on those as well. So, like I said, it's an exotic invasive. So, one's too many. doesn't belong here. It's not, it's not from here, you know.
0: Yeah. What's funny is that the people that are trying to bring pigs in and promote pigs as a hunting thing usually sell it as... How they're helping with the pig problem, right? And <laughs> yeah. you see it all the time, man. You can go online, and they'll be like, you know, places advertising Texas is overrun with hogs. Come down, come down. Then you realize it's a fenced operation, and they're actually buying pigs, right? Yeah, but but people like that narrative. Sure, I think it's. Well, I think it's, I, I got a bunch of theories on it. A thing I found is that, and this is my concluding thought. The thing i found with people, the, the people who become curious about hunting, not people who grew up in hunting culture and hunting communities, but people who didn't grow up around it and they become curious about hunting and they want to find a way to know it's okay. Like they desperately want to go, but they need to be told it's okay. Those people are drawn to pig hunting That's right. Because they feel like, oh, you mean I can do this, and know absolutely certain that I'm doing the right thing. Because they're not they're not already educated on the fact that by participating in licensed hunting, you're contributing immense amounts of resource into wildlife habitat management enforcement. You know, disease control. They don't. They don't get that right. They need to know that, like, that they're gonna go, like, by taking a life, they're helping everyone out. Right. And so, again and again, when I've spoken with people who are like, "Man, kind of want to go hunting, think about doing hog hunt," because I understand how they're like a non-native. You just hear it all the time, man. Yeah. It's really gotten out there in my lifetime as this like, as a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the first time I ever stepped foot, the first time I ever hunted in a place that had the possibility of having a pig, we were hunting deer, but I sat up in my tree stand the whole time praying a pig came by. (laughs) Sure. Sure. I was way more interested in that than I was in a deer. I was like, my God, a pig running around in the woods. Yeah. How wonderful that would be. (laughs) Having no idea about the bigger picture.
3: Right. Issue. Right. And you know, we're we're helping, we're helping, we're helping, but. You know, it's a, I go back to the TV um, deal, and you know they passed up three sows and and fourteen little little shoots to shoot one mature boar, which does absolutely nothing as far as population control goes. You know, it's it's just it's it's uh, it's in some instances just uh, it's uh, it's farce. You know, in in some instances, I think.
0: I have a friend whose family runs cattle in Northern California. And uh, one day I was asking her father, who lets me hunt wild pigs out there, and he complains about them. But one day I was asking her father, I said, if you could wave a magic wand and have them all be gone, would you wave it? He thought about it for a minute and he's like, "No, not all of them."
4: <laughs> That's
0: right. He wants he wants it his way. He wants just not quite so many. Yeah. Yeah. But not all of them. Right. Right. So as much as he curses them and shows you where they're all hanging out and shows you what they did bad here and what they did bad there, there's some part of them that just you know,
5: well, sure. I think for a lot of people, it just comes down for like a net to a natural empathy to animals, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just can't look at it and be like, "Oh yeah," even though I know all this about how bad they are,
0: wipe them out. It'd be great if they weren't on this continent anymore. Yeah, there's maybe something, maybe there's some little nugget of goodness, <laughs> residual like like some kind of nugget of goodness in people that just a thing we've learned mm-hmm. is that wiping things out isn't gener- Like, and it's true generally speaking not a good idea <laughs> you know yeah. and I think people carry that in and they don't and they're not interested in the nuance of it but it was funny to watch him wrestle with it for a minute mm. you know he's like you can't be greedy yeah but in Missouri the goal is clear it is it is gone and then what's the lo- what's the most likely source let's say no one brought one in that's my last question no one's trucking them in. No There's, one's
3: trucking them in.
0: They're still walking from somewhere. Right. From
3: where? Uh, we have them in Oklahoma. Okay. So they can. We walk, have them in Arkansas. They can walk in from Arkansas. We have them in in Tennessee. Um, Illinois done a good job. So our southern southern
0: brethren. Before I was born, my old man was hunting wild pigs in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Mine too. So it's never going to be that it's just not a problem. It's just going to be something that requires constant monitoring.
3: Right, and you know, and and some states they're they're a game animal and they've embraced that. So you know, it it varies all California, over the country, man. You gotta yeah, buy that's a tag. Right. That's right. That's right. So, there's no li- I don't
0: think there's, any, there's no limit on how many tags you buy. You got to buy a tag. Yeah. I don't Ch- think there's any limit
3: on Chances are they're not ever going to be all the way gone from California.
0: But, you know, man, I'll tell you what, people there love them. Yeah. Hunters. And it's kind of like a, it's been going on a long time. Mm-hmm. People have been hunting pigs there a long time. Yeah. There's people that that's kind of their main thing they hunt. And some of the funnest pig hunting, I hate to say this to you, but some of the funnest pig hunting I've done has been in California because you can spot and stalk wild pigs. Sure. Yeah. You glass them up. It's
3: it's fun. Crawl up on yeah, them. Yeah. It's, it's, it, there's no arguing that. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Good you luck, Steve. Steve Jones is
5: all the, here the whole time. We never or even introduced. It? <laughs> him. I didn't give him a concluder because
0: he hadn't said anything.
5: I know. Well, because he never, we, ne- we never
0: introduced him. But I think he's okay. Wild, he might, Ga- he Wild might. Game Chef Steve Jones has been joining us, listening in. Well, I had. Can you kn- start out by plugging you, you? You you post materials about Wild Game.
2: Yeah, I've got a so website people where that is. Killernoms.com. It's just kind of a small little. Uh, uh hobby website it's yep. nothing nothing monetized or professional but i just started kind of recording the things that i was learning about cooking wild game and i just enjoy
5: i checked it out it's good i'll vouch for it there's some good information on there
2: killer excellent Check cook thank you very much your food well i you got an opportunity to come and sing karaoke for Pavarotti here so i uh, <laughs> i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't pass that up so uh Okay, you got Did you have have a thought or question for our for our guest? Yeah, I don't. I don't know as much about the the hog problem as as Parker and Brandon, but I have been reading about it and I write about it. I'm an outdoor writer also, Uh, and I would say even though I've enjoyed a a few hog hunts, I've had some of my actually best hunts I've had in my life have been hog hunts. Uh, But there is no doubt in my mind that this is absolutely the only. correct way to deal with a a serious conservation problem if you approach it from a conservation or land ethic perspective there is no other choice but eradication and you're uh, able
0: to look at it and and hold both ideas in your head at once absolutely
2: it's nice to hunt them just just nice to eat them but they got to go absolutely they got to go go hunt them where they're natural you know, where they're, where they're not an introduced exotic. But uh, if I could change one thing, because I talk to a lot of hunters, the, 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 everything that the USDA APHIS is doing is great. Everything that the Missouri Department of Conservation is doing is great, except they haven't sold or explained the idea about why they have banned hog hunting on their own MDC lands, Missouri Department of Conservation. And that people that, that aren't fully coached up on all the details – it is counterintuitive they do not get it, yeah, Brandon and I talked to a pilot uh, a couple of weeks ago who was coming in for a landing there with a couple of feral hogs on the runway, and he was railing at us about why would the Department of conservation say you can 't shoot the pigs you know it 's just counterintuitive, for even though sure, it's the man. right thing. Yeah. I just wish they were doing a better job of explaining and selling it to the public because uh,
3: well you know they, they 've had several of these
2: podcasts and webcasts and and
3: call in. Type of things, and and I think getting the word out. I I I I disagree with you in, in as much as they they're trying, but to get everybody educated, you know, people have to educate themselves to some extent, you know. And and it, you're right, it is counterintuitive, and it's a difficult um, thing to sell. But you know, I I I think we're it, the program's in its infancy. If you think about it, you know, we've been trying to to eliminate feral swine for really three years you know hardcore and i think as time goes on it it'll i think the word will get out everything takes time and, and that messaging and you guys know this probably more more than i do that, that messaging you just hammered over and over and finally it takes hold you know it's like putting your seatbelt on Kind of thing. Put your seatbelt on. to your kids put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt. Finally, they're putting their seatbelt on, and and you didn't tell them. They're telling you, "Hey, put your seatbelt on." Hey, hogs are bad. Hogs are bad. Hogs are bad. Yeah, I think you it know. probably would eventually lead to a
0: certain amount of kind of like public shaming. Like the more it gets out, the more guys that are engaged in it, their bodies might be like, you know, man, yeah. we should probably cut it out. Yeah, <laughs> that's,
6: that's, that's working both ways. Though there was just a, a propaganda meeting down here, led by a, a local state representative, bringing together people, you know, talking about the arrogance of the Department of Conservation and and the fact that they would ban hunting. Look at our Department of Conservation is now siding with anti hunters. I mean, the propaganda machine is is another huge roadblock to, really to making this happen. And now, of course, everybody with social media can spread just complete. Half truths and mistruths and you know, it's it's fighting two battles. It's fighting the ecological battle and it's fighting the social battle and trying to get people to buy in to what needs to be done to protect the resources. Yeah. Good job, Steve.
0: Thank you. You stirred up a whole bunch of you're like a (laughs) like a pig wild in the spring (laughs) creek, man. (laughs) Stirred up a whole bunch of silt and mud. All right, man. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks a lot. I know it's probably uh, taken away from your main thing you'd like to be doing. Uh,
3: Not too much.
6: Not right now. We can't turkey hunt after 1 o'clock. That's right. We've got to get that changed.
3: Yeah. After 1 o'clock and squirrel season should go on after February 15th. For how long? Till... A day before turkey season.
6: Okay. Well, that would mean it's only closed for a month, right? Correct.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so let's
1: just go all year squirrels.
4: Yeah. All right. <laughs> thanks uh, for joining. Yeah, me. Thanks.
0: Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators. Furniture for your living room or bedroom. Even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store. Or visit aarons.com to see what i'm talking about approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply you got to see your local store for details this show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. it is a simple truth no matter who you are mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference that's why everyone should have access to mental health support that they need and that meets them where they are and helps them get through challenges BetterHelp. Provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, it's simple to use. You can connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's better, H E L P.com.